0: Chapter 18, Part 1 of Vandover and the Brute. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. Vandover and the Brute by Frank Norris. Chapter 18, Part 1. That winter passed, then the summer. September and October came and went, and by the middle of November the rains set in. One very wet afternoon toward the end of the month Charlie Geary sat at his desk in his own private office He was unoccupied for the moment leaning back in his swivel chair his feet on the table smoking a cigar Geary had broken from his old-time habit of smoking only so many cigars as he could pay for by saving car fare. He was doing so well now. He could afford to smoke whenever he chose he was still with the great firm of Beale and Storey and while not in the partnership as yet had worked up to the position of an assistant he had cases of his own now-a great many of them-for the most part damage suits against that certain enormous corporation whom it was said was ruining the city and entire state geary posed as one of its bitterest enemies pushing each suit brought against it with a tireless energy with a zeal that was almost vindictive He began to fit into his own niche in the eyes of the public and just in proportion as the corporation was hated geary was admired money came to him very fast he was hardly thirty at this time but could already be called a rich man his deal with vandover had given him a taste for real estate and now and then with the greatest caution he made a few discreet investments at present he had just completed a row of small cottages across the street from the boot and shoe factory the cottages held two rooms and a large kitchen geary had calculated that the boot and shoe concern would employ nearly a thousand operatives and he had built his row with the view of accommodating a few of them who had families and who desired to live near the factory his agents were adams and brunt it was toward half past five there was nothing more that geary could do that day and for a moment he leaned back in his swivel chair before going home smiling a little very well pleased with himself He was still as clever and shrewd as ever still devoured with an incarnate ambition still delighted when he could get the better of any one he was yet a young man with the start he had secured for himself and with the exceptional faculties the faculties of self-confidence and push that he knew himself to possess there was no telling to what position he might attain he knew that it was only a question of time of a short time even when he would be the practical head of the great firm everything he turned his hand to was a success his row of houses in the mission might be enlarged to a veritable settlement for every workman in the neighborhood his youth his cleverness and his ambition supported by his money on the one hand and on the other by the vast machinery of the great law firm could raise him to a great place in the world of men gazing through the little blue haze of his cigar smoke he began to have vague ideas ideas of advancement of political successes politics fascinated him such a field of action seemed to be the domain for which he was precisely suited not the politics of the city or of the state not the nasty little squabbling of boodlers lobbyists and supervisors but something large something inspiring something on a tremendous scale something to which one could give up one's whole life and energy something to which one could sacrifice everything friendships fortunes scruples principles life itself no matter what anything to be a success to arrive to get there to attain the desired object in spite of the whole world to ride on at it trampling down or smashing through everything that stood in the way blind deaf fists and teeth shut tight not the little squabbling politics of the city or state but national politics the sway and government of a whole people the House, the Senate, the Cabinet, and the next. Why not? The highest, the best of all, the executive. Yes, Geary aspired even to the presidency. For a moment he allowed himself the indulgence of the delightful dream, then laughed a bit at his own absurdity. But even the entertainment of so vast an idea had made his mind, as it were, big. It was hard to come down to the level again in spite of himself he went on reasoning in stupendous thoughts in enormous ideas figuring with immense abstractions and then after all why not other men had striven and attained other men were even now striving other men would arrive why should not he every man for himself that was his maxim it might be the damned selfish but it was human nature the weakest to the wall the strongest to the front why should not he be in the front why not in the very front rank why not be even before the front rank itself the leader vast vague ideas passed slowly across the vision of his mind ideas that could hardly be formulated into thought ideas of the infinite herd of humanity driven on as if by some enormous relentless engine driven on toward some fearful distant bourne, driven on recklessly at headlong speed all life was but a struggle to keep from under those myriad spinning wheels that dashed so close behind those were happiest who were farthest to the front To lag behind was peril, to fall was to perish, to be ridden down, to be beaten to the dust, to be inexorably crushed and blotted out beneath that myriad of spinning iron wheels. Geary looked up quickly and saw Vandover standing in the doorway. For the moment Geary did not recognize the gaunt, shambling figure with the long hair and dirty beard, the greenish hat, and the streaked and spotted coat, but when he did it was with a feeling of anger and exasperation. Look here, he cried. Don't you think you'd better knock before you come in? Vandover raised a hand slowly, as if in deprecation, and answered slowly, with a feeble, tremulous voice, the voice of an old man. I did knock, Mr. Geary. I didn't mean no offence. He sat down on the edge of the nearest chair, looking vaguely and stupidly about on the floor, moving his head instead of his eyes, repeating under his breath from time to time, No offence. No, sir. No offence. Shut that door, commanded Geary. Vandover obeyed he wore no vest and the old cutaway coat fastened by the single remaining button exposed his shirt to view Abominably filthy bulging at the waist like a blouse The blue pants held up by a strap were all foul with mud and grease and paint And there hung about him a certain odor that peculiar smell of poverty and of degradation the smell of stale clothes and of unwashed bodies Well said Geary abruptly vandover put the tips of his fingers to his lips and rolled his eyes about the room avoiding geary's glance then he dropped them to the floor again looking at the pattern in the carpet well repeated geary irritated you know i haven't got all the time in the world all at once vandover began to cry very softly snuffling with his nose his chin twitching the tears running through his thin sparse beard ah get on to yourself shouted geary now thoroughly disgusted Quit that be a man will you stop that do you hear Vandover obeyed catching his breath and slowly wiping his eyes with the side of his hand I'm no good he said at length wagging his head and blinking through his tears I'm I'm done for and I ain't got no money yet of course you see I don't mean no offense what I want you see is to be a man and not give in and not let the wolf get me and then I'll go back to Paris everything goes round here very slow and seems far off that's why I can't get along And i'm that hungry that sometimes i twitch all over i'm down i ain't got another cent of money and i lost my job at the paint shop that's where i drew down twenty dollars a week painting landscapes on safes you know and then geary interrupted him crying out you haven't a cent why what have you done with your bonds bonds repeated vandover dazed and bewildered i ain't never had any bonds what bonds oh yes he exclaimed suddenly remembering yes i know my bonds of course yes yes well i those those i had to sell those bonds had some debts you see my board and my tailor's bill they got out some sort of paper after me yes i had forgotten about my bonds i lost every damned one of them playing cards gambled them all away ain't i no good but i was winner once just in two nights i won ten thousand dollars then i must have lost it again you see i get so hungry sometimes that i twitch all over so just like that lend me a dollar for a few moments geary was silent watching vandover curiously as he sat in a heap on the edge of the chair fumbling his greenish hat looking about the floor presently he asked when did you lose your job at the paint shop day before yesterday and you are out of work now yes answered vandover i'm broke i have not a cent. i'm blessed if i know how i'm to get along Lately, I've been working for a paint shop, painting landscapes on safes. I drew down fifty dollars a week there, but I've lost my job. "'Good Lord, Van!' Geary suddenly exclaimed, nodding his head toward him reflectively. "'I'm sorry for you.' The other laughed. "'Yes, I suppose I'm a pitiable-looking object, but I'm used to it. I don't mind much now, as long as I can have a place to sleep and enough to eat. If you can put me in the way of some work, Charlie, I'd be much obliged. You see, that's what I want—work.' I don't want to run any bunco game. I'm an honest man. I'm too honest. I gave away all my money to help another poor duck. Gave him thousands. He was good to me when I was on my uppers, and I meant to repay him. I was grateful. I signed a paper that gave him everything I had. It was in Paris. That's where my bonds went to. He was a struggling artist. Look here, said Geary, willing to be interested. You might as well be truthful with me. You can't lie to me. Have you gambled away all those bonds, or have you been victimized, or have you still got them? come now spit it out charlie i have an cent," answered vanover looking him squarely in the face would i be around here trying to get work from you if i had no i gambled it all away you know i had eighty nine hundred in u s four per cents well first i began to pawn things when my money got short the old gentleman's watch that i said i never would part with then my clothes i couldn't keep away from the cards of course you can't understand that gambling was the only thing that could amuse me then i began to mortgage my bonds very little at first oh i went slow then i got to selling them well somehow they all went for a time i got along by the work at the paint shop but they have let me out now said i was so irregular i owe for nearly a month at my lodging place his eyes sought the floor again rolling about stupidly nearly a month and that's what makes me jump and tremble so you ought to see me sometimes brrr and i get to barking i'm a wolf mostly you know or some kind of animal some kind of brute but i'd be all right if everything didn't go round very slowly and seem far off but i'm a wolf you look out for me best take care i don't bite you wolf wolf ah it's up four flights at the end of the hall very dark eight thousand dollars in a green cloth sack and lots of lights a-burnin see how long my fingernails are regular claws that's the wolf the brute why can't i talk in my mouth instead of in my throat that's the devil of it when you paint on steel and iron your colors don't dry out true all the yellows turn green but it would have been all straight if they hadn't fired me i never talked to anybody that was my business wasn't it and when all those eight thousand little lights began to burn red why of course that makes you nervous so i have to drink a great deal of water and chew butcher's paper that fools him and he thinks he's eating just so as i can lay quiet in the plaza when the sun is out there's a hack stand there you know and every time that horse tosses his head so's to get the oats in the bottom of the nose bag he jingles the chains on the poles and by god that's funny makes me laugh every time sounds gay and the chain sparkles mighty pretty oh i don't complain give me a dollar and i'll bark for you geary leaned back in his chair listening to vandover struck with wonder marveling at that which his old chum had come to be He was sorry for him, too, yet nevertheless he felt a certain indefinite satisfaction, a faint exultation over his misfortunes, glad that their positions were not reversed, pleased that he had been clever enough to keep free from those habits, those modes of life that ended in such fashion. He rapped sharply on the table. Vandover straightened up, raising his eyes. "'You want some work?' he demanded. "'Yes, that's what I'm after,' answered Vandover, adding, "'I must have it.' "'Well,' said Geary, hesitatingly, "'I can give you something to do, but it'll be pretty dirty.' Vandover smiled a little, saying, "'I guess you can't give me any work that would be too dirty for me.' With the words he suddenly began to cry again. "'I want to be honest, Mr. Geary,' he exclaimed, drawing the backs of his fingers across his lips. "'I want to be honest. I'm down, and I don't mean no offence. "'Charlie, you and I were old chums once at Harvard. "'My God, to think I was a Harvard man once! "'Oh, I'm a goner now, and I ain't got a friend.' when i was in the paint shop they paid me well i've been in a paint shop lately painting the little pictures on the safes little landscapes you know and lakes with mountains around them i pulled down my twenty dollars in findings oh don't be a fool cried gary ashamed even to see such an exhibition if you can't be a man you can get out now see here you came up here once and insulted me in my office and called me a swindler Ah, you bet you had the swelled head then and insulted me, attacked my honesty, and charged me with shoving the queer. Now, I never forget those things generally, but I am willing to let that pass this time. I could be nasty now and tell you to rustle for yourself if you want half a dollar now to get something to eat while well, I'll give it to you, but I don't propose to support you. Ah, no, I guess not. If you want to work, I'll give you a chance, but I shall expect you to do good work if I give you my good money for it you may be drunk now or i don't know what's the matter with you but you come up here tomorrow at noon and if you come up here sober or straight or geary began to make awkward gestures in the air with both hands come up here to talk business i may have something for you but i can't stop any longer this evening vandover got upon his feet slowly turning his greenish hat about by the brim nodding his head all right all right he answered Thank you very much mr. Geary it's very good of you i'm sure i'll be around at noon sure when Geary was left alone he walked slowly to his window and stood there a moment looking aimlessly down into the street shaking his head repeatedly astonished at the degradation of his old-time chum while he stood there he saw Vandover come out upon the sidewalk from the door of the great office building Geary watched him very interested Vandover paused a moment upon the sidewalk turning up the collar of his old cutaway coat against the cold tray wind that was tearing through the streets He thrust both his hands deep into his trousers pockets gripping his sides with his elbows and drawing his shoulders together Shrinking into a small compass in order to be warm the wind blew the tails of his cutaway about him like flapping wings he went up the street walking fast keeping to the outside of the sidewalk his shoulders bent his head inclined against the wind his feet dragging after him as he walked for a moment geary lost sight of him amid a group of men who were hoisting a piano upon a dray the street was rather crowded with office-boys clerks and typewriters going home to supper and geary did not catch sight of him again immediately then all at once he saw him hesitating on a corner of kearney street waiting for an electric car to pass he crossed the street running his hands still in his pockets and went on hurriedly dodging in and out of the throng his high shoulders long neck and greenish hat coming into sight at intervals for a moment he paused a glance into the show window of a tobacconist and a pipe sellers store a chinese woman passed him pattering along lamely her green jade earrings twinkling in the light of a street lamp newly lighted vandover looked after her a moment gazing stupidly then suddenly took up his walk again zigzagging amid the groups on the asphalt striding along at a great pace his head low and swinging from side to side as he walked he was already far down the street it was dusk geary could only catch glimpses of his head and shoulders at long intervals he disappeared End of chapter eighteen part one